Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. UFC featherweight Brian T. City Ortega absolutely loves the fight, loves the strategy, and you know what else he loves? Toyo tires, because like Ortega, Toyo tires are as tough as they come, and they are the official tire of the UFC. You know, there's a lot to love about Toyo tires. Aggressive design, proven on and off-road capabilities. These are truly tires for any weather, and they've got the toughness to back up that claim. There's just a confidence that comes with tough tires. So no matter what you're driving, no matter where you're driving, you can count on Toyo tires. And, of course, they look great as well. They are the choice of so many fighters up and down this UFC roster. Tough people love tough tires, and Toyo tires have been proven time and time again. So if you're tough, these are the tires for you. Toyo tires. So the next time you need tires, ask for Toyo, the official tire of the UFC. Learn more at toyotires.com UFC. toyotires.com UFC. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, happy holidays. Your gift from the Anik and Florian Podcast. We're doing the holiday episode entirely in a Boston <laughs> accent. And just like that, we lost all of our followers. All the fucking listeners are gone. <laughs> They're all gone. I'm wearing my entering title town sweatshirt today on the Anakin Florian podcast. So you parlay that with talking in a Boston accent, we would be alienating a huge <laughs> chunk of a base we have worked so hard to establish. So greatest sweatshirt ever. I'm ever. telling you. Well, I love the fact and at barstoolsports.com if you want the entering title town sweatshirt, awesome. but it says established 2001, right? Hmm. And that's exactly right. I mean, if this sweatshirt it's just so applicable in 2018. Uh, 
but that's about as far as I'm going to go down that path before I really piss some New Yorkers out there off, Jared (laughs) Flash Gordon included. Uh, Good fight week to you. Big one coming up on pay-per-view this Saturday night. This is episode 185 of the Anakin Flooring Podcast. Ken Flo has one foot out the door to South Carolina. So going to South Carolina for the holidays, taking your daughter. Um, What's the weather like in South Carolina at this time of year? I think it's been pretty mild, dude. I I think it's like, yeah, Yeah. like 60s, something like that, maybe 50s. We put the heat put the heat on in florida a couple times kids so really it's, uh, what's which the doesn't always happen what's well the... i you know like this morning it was 58 right so that's about as cold as it gets but right. you know kids are excited to wear pants to school yeah <laughs> so that's a good thing all right so uh quick one for you today because it's a holiday week and we appreciate uh the greatest crew in podcasting history ben wasorik and everybody on down getting in there for us during the holiday week but we got some UFC 232 selections this weekend. The main event challenge, anyone who listens to this show knows that it's very near and dear to us. It also has tightened up considerably over the last six weeks. Can flows within striking distance. UFC 232 beckons. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, so Team Anik led it 141 to 139 going into Fox UFC Fight Night. Lee versus Aya Quinta 2 about a week ago there in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You went head-to-head with our guy Ian Parker. You both whiffed on the main event. You both had Kevin Lee. But you both nailed the other three main card selections. 4-4 on the week. Team Anik still holding on to that two-point lead. 145-143. And that means... It all comes down to UFC 232 and our final guest picker of 2018. He has made a pick on every single UFC fight in 2018. Not even Ken Flo can lay claim to that. From Lafayette, Louisiana, Marcus McGahey is with us. Marcus, did I butcher your surname, man? How do you pronounce it? McGahey. McGahey. See, I had a fraternity brother, McGahey, and he spelled it like Willis McGahey. So I should have just gone McGahey. God damn it. <laughs> That's all so, right. No uh, worries. Marcus, sorry to uh, to keep you waiting, buddy, but we appreciate the time. I know uh, it's a busy time for you. We got seven picks today, five main card picks, two quick picks on the prelims on the way out. First fight you will see on pay-per-view, and this is a big one at featherweight, Marcus. Chad Mendez right now about a minus 150 favorite. Alexander Volkanovsky, the underdog. At plus 130, Marcus, who do you like? All right. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, Look, we've got Volkanovski. He's making a quick ascent in the featherweight division. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him as a title contender at some point down the road. He's a strong wrestler and dangerous on the feet as well. Uh, In fact, over half of his fights have ended with him getting the knockout, the KRTKO. Mendez has roughly the same strengths and finished Jury in devastating fashion. He's about the higher quality of competition, only losing to the best, uh, although twice Edgar and McGregor. Uh, ultimately, however, I have uh, more faith in Volkanovski's striking than I do in Mendez's chin. I think uh, Volkanovski's going to make the most of his five-and-a-half-inch reach advantage and catch Mendez on the feet, not unlike how Frankie caught it. Wow, I like that, Marcus. So you like Volkanovski as the underdog. And Volkanovski called for this fight. You may remember, I think it was in Boise, Idaho. They fought on the same card in July. Volkanovski's won 15 in a row. Ken Flo, 5-0 and in the UFC. Mendez, not a ton of octagon time. We know about the suspension. But just over five minutes of octagon time since the Conor McGregor fight in July of 2015. 
had the knockout loss that Marcus mentioned to Frankie Edgar, and then the win over Miles Jury, which took just two minutes and 51 seconds. Mendez, the favorite here. Ken Flo, what can you tell me? You know, uh, listen, I, I think that Volkanovski is an absolute beast. I, I just think he's kind of... Um not as good version of Chad Mendes, to be honest. I think Volkanovski has very good takedowns. He has tremendous pressure. I just don't see him having enough power to knock out a Chad Mendes. And yeah, Chad Mendes has been knocked out before. He's been hurt before. But I just don't see Volkanovski being that guy. I'm going to go with Chad Mini Mendes. <laughs> That's good. That's a perfect inflection right there. I'm going to be calling this fight thinking about Marcus McGahee and Ken Flo and your selections. I have a question. I never. For, I have a question for Marcus, real quick. Mark, have you ever bet against a Lafayette, Louisiana guy in your life? Uh, I do not think so. There's a lot of great fighters from that town, dude. Yeah, so I'm a huge Cormier uh, fan. You know, for my money, he's the best to have ever done it. A uh, big fan of Dustin Poirier. I believe we have Alan Joban. I'm sure I'm missing a few, but yeah, it's yeah. really strong here. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I I don't know much about that Cormier guy. I love Dustin Poirier. <laughs> I'm a big Dustin Poirier guy. Um, Cormier. All right. So light heavyweight division. Uh, starting to gain some traction here, boys. Boys, uh, Alexander Rockich on my mind when I say this division's gaining traction. But you got a lot of up and coming guys. Dominic Reyes, um, the belt, of course, going to be on the line this night at two thirty-two. Mm. Uh, but also in action on the main card, he is built like the side of a backyard shed. He is a Lear Latifi, and he is the minus one seventy-five favorite here, Marcus, against Corey Beeston, twenty-five-eight Anderson Latifi or Anderson for you, Marcus. What do you think? Well, look, Anderson's got high-level wrestling. He's coming off of two wins, including a huge upset over Glover Teixeira. Uh, Latifi, like Anderson, is a strong wrestler. Uh, his last two fights, he had wins over OSP and Tyson Pedro. Uh, he's only had three losses in five-plus years, and two of those guys have gone on to become uh, champions in other organizations. Look, I think uh, his low center of gravity and his heavy hands are going to get it done for him. I'm picking Latifi. Yeah, Latifi coming off a good performance, Ken Flo, in which he earned his first UFC bonus in what was his 10th UFC start, the submission win over Ovin St. Preux. Corey Anderson might be coming into his own. He had the knockout, back-to-back mm -hmm. -back knockout losses not all that long ago, but is now strung together back-to-back -to -back wins. And as Marcus mentioned, the last one is a big feather in his cap because Glover Teixeira was on the other side in July. What do you think here? Close fight, relatively speaking, according to Vegas, Latifi... Uh, or Corey Overtime Anderson for you? This is an interesting one. Uh, I think Corey Anderson, with his wrestling background, might be able to surprise Latifi uh, with a takedown here and there, but I don't know. It's going to be tough against the very strong and uh, short <laughs> Latifi. You know, this is a guy who is, uh, you know, built like a fire hydrant, as you said. Uh, he's very strong. He has some good takedowns himself, but more than anything else, I think for Corey, if he wants to win this fight, he has to outpoint out him, utilize his reach, and kind of stick and move. If he tries to trade in the pocket, um, I think he's going to be in big trouble. Latifi is probably sure to land at least one of those big shots, and if he does, I see him getting a TKO win. I got to go with Latifi here. All right, next up, feature bout in the welterweight division, Michael Chiesa, the minus 155 favorite. He moves up to 170 pounds, probably with finality here. I think his lightweight days are done. He faces the natural-born killer, Carlos Condit, the plus 125 underdog at present. Marcus, who do you have here, Chiesa or Condit? So I think the story heading into this fight is we have two guys who've hit a rut 
patch and are looking to right the ship. Unfortunately, only one will be able to do so. Uh, Condit's a veteran. He's savvy. Uh, you know, he's a former interim champ, two-time title challenger. Uh, coming into this fight on a four-fight skid. Uh, is moving up from lightweight, lost his last two bouts, but one of those was the controversial stoppage to Lee. Uh, I think we'll see a renewed, stronger Maverick at welterweight, and I think his submission grappling is going to get him the win, ultimately. Matchup-wise, a lot of people have, have taken Carlos Condit down and, and had their way with him on the ground. It'll be interesting to see what kind of headspace Carlos Condit is in. So, Ken Flo, I'm going to take you back to February 4th, 2012, UFC 143. You and I did that 3D broadcast of the pay-per-view for people watching in movie theaters. Do you yes. remember when we did that for I, UFC 143? I absolutely do. I know your first pay-per-view was UFC 83, but yes. for me, first time I called a pay-per-view, so to speak, when it was actually, you know, a call of those fights was was that one, UFC 143. Condit beat Nick Diaz that night mm -hmm. and improved to 28-5. and five. He has lost seven of nine since, as Marcus outlined, four in a row. Um, sort of the opposite of Anthony Smith in terms of the pro record kind of flipping late. Um, last win, Tiago Alves, May of 2015 in Goiânia, Brazil. What do you think about Condit this weekend against Chiesa? Honestly, I, I really do not know. First of all, did Marcus pick uh, Chiesa? He did. He picked Chiesa. This is a tough one for <laughs> me. Uh, you know, you have Chiesa going up to 170 pounds, um, you know, obviously known for that takedown and rear naked choke. Um, he is tall and lanky. Uh, at 155 pounds, but he will not enjoy uh, that reach or lankiness here against Carlos Condit, who has an inch on him uh, height-wise. Um, I think they have right around the same reach here. Um, but I, I think Condit is by far the better striker, and I think that he is showing some flashes of um, kind of wanting to be in there. There was a little bit more passionate moments, uh, in my opinion, from Condit in his last few fights, despite him not getting the result he wanted. Um I don't know, man. I, I'll go the other way. I think Carlos Condit will be able to stop most of the takedowns and be able to score a win on his feet against Chiesa. See, Ken Flo's just trying to take this out of the judges' hands, right? You don't want to draw at the end of the main I'm event I'm going challenge. for it, dude. I'm going, I'm going for it. For it. I like this. Yeah. Man, this is crazy. I never think about the main event challenge when I'm calling fights. I can assure you. But <laughs> unlike past years, this one is coming down to it, right? Yeah. And the fact that you guys just fell on two different sides of two of the first three fights, I'm getting a little bit anxious here. I'm, I'm pitting, but you can't see that. All right, co-headliner, I am so excited for this fight, right? This is the first true women's super fight in UFC history, unless I'm mistaken, right, in which two belt holders are going at it. Amanda Nunes moving up to featherweight to challenge the all-time world beater Chris Cyborg. Cyborg favored, of course, but not nearly as inflated a price as you've gotten for past fights. She's minus 250. Amanda Nunes about plus 230 or so. Uh, Marcus, this is a championship fight. As such, we'll need the round and the method of victory. Who leaves Las Vegas, the UFC women's featherweight champion? All right, well, uh, both of these fighters love to be the bully. They're both known for stalking their opponents and pushing the pace. And frankly, they love to play at their feet and throw. Now, I think this is the toughest fight that either athlete has entered into, at least in recent memory. On Cyborg's end, the only fight that comes close is her bout with Polly Holmes, which went the distance. I think that a lot of Holmes' success in that fight was probably due to her stick-and-move style. While in theory, at least, this fight uh, could be more competitive, I don't think I don't see it going the distance, frankly. Uh, yeah, I think that nor do I. Cyborg will 
lures Nunez into a firefight, and there are only so many times you could do that without paying the price. I fear investing in the body early, consistently marching Nunez down, and eventually finding the TKO, let's say, in the fourth round. All right, Cyborg, round four, TKO. All right, so Amanda Nunez, Kenny, has won seven in a row. She hasn't lost a fight in four years. Cyborg, of course, unbeaten, dating to her pro debut in 2005. She's 20-1. and one. She would be 40-1 and one if she could consistently get enough opponents to fight her. Here she draws a woman in Nunez who, who many believe has the best chance to at least give her a competitive fight, if not beat her. But a lot of sharps that I've spoken to feel like they think people are sort of making even a leap with that, that Cyborg, this gives her the opportunity to really prove her greatness for once. Who do you think wins this fight, and how do they get it done? Uh, Another awesome fight here uh, for 232. So good. It's amazing. This is the fight I've always wanted to see. This is a true women's super fight here. Um, You know, I I do believe that Amanda Nunes has the skills to beat Chris Cyborg. Uh, And I think that if Chris Cyborg wins this fight against Nunes, it will absolutely prove her greatness uh, as perhaps the greatest female mixed martial arts fighter ever. Um, So I I think there's a lot on both sides of fighters to prove. Now, you talked about the inactivity of Cyborg uh, just based on the fact that you can't find her many opponents. There's not a lot of women who want to step up and fight Cyborg. I understand that. I get that. I'm sure there's a lot of men that don't want to fight Chris Cyborg. (laughs) Um, I I think um, at this fight, at 145 pounds, I think Nunes still has the ability to win this fight. I think she's going to be faster. I think she throws perhaps the cleaner combinations. I think Chris Cyborg is tougher mentally and physically, however. So it's a really tough fight to pick, but I'm going with the other side. I'm going with Amanda Nunes. I think Nunes has been busier. I think she's faced tougher competition over the course of her mixed martial arts career, and I think Nunes surprises everybody and becomes a two-division champ in the UFC. How about that? So Amanda Nunes plus 230, which would mean one point for the win, another two for her being the underdog. And we'll also give you a chance to give us a round and a method of victory unless you you don't want those points. But I think you probably want to try to give us a round, kid. What do you, you think? Bet, you better believe it. I'm going <laughs> round three, TKO, Amanda round Nunes. Round three, TKO for Amanda Nunes. I really wonder what kind of Amanda Nunes is going to come in there, yeah. right? Because I think certainly it's hard for her to make 35, but does that discipline help her in training, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see what type of uh, version we get out of Amanda Nunes. Dean Thomas, I think, is going to join us right after the fight. He knows he's got his work cut out for him uh, in preparing Chris Cyborg or preparing for Chris Cyborg. All right, main event, the rematch between John Jones and Alexander Gustafson, and that Ooh. is your headliner for UFC 232, Marcus. John Jones minus 280, Alexander Gustafson plus 255 with the round and the method. Who do you like, Marcus, Jones or Gus? All right, I know I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this. Uh, but look, if Jones comes out looking like the Jones who fought OSP, I have no fight, uh, no doubt that Gus will win the fight. I think we both know why I mentioned that fight, so I won't belabor the point. Uh, instead, I'll just say that uh, if Jones does come in looking great, like the guy who fought Gus last time, I still think Gus can win this fight. I mean, Jones style of defense turns on him being the much bigger, longer man. He keeps uh, his arms out and his fingers, frankly. Uh, he also likes to uh, <laughs> kick at the knees. Uh, last time they fought, Gus was able to penetrate 
that defense, even taking him down a few times. Um, also, Gutch just seems super confident about this fight. Um, he seems like he really thinks he won the last one, and he'll win this one. And frankly, I believe that he believes that. And uh, he seems much more secure going into this fight. I'm picking Gus. Wow. Gus by decision, did you say, Marcus? That's right. Yeah, I mean, if I'm making a case for Gustafson, it's rooted in a lot of what you said. You know, I thought you made a lot of salient points, and and I do believe that he is his best version to date, right? Even though maybe some suggest he's on the outside of his fighting prime looking back in. He is also fighting the guy who I still believe is the greatest mixed martial arts talent that we have seen step foot inside the octagon. Kenny, John Jones has never lost an MMA unless, of course, you consider that DQ in the Matt Hamill fight. The last win, July 2017, over Daniel Cormier, now in no contest, right? But consider, 18 times he has prepared for an opponent in the UFC. 18 times he has beaten that man. And no man in UFC history can lay claim to an 18-fight winning streak, which I know on paper he does not have. It would be the longest winning streak in UFC history. The man to give him his toughest fight, I think irrefutably, Alexander Gustafson. It was five years ago. Main event challenge might come down to this fight, Kenny. Who wins the rematch? How do they get it done? Jeez. Uh, first of all, their first fight was one of the greatest title fights I had ever seen. Uh, still one of the greatest title fights of all time. So I, I am giddy just thinking about this fight. Um, you could argue, you can make a strong argument that Alexander Gustafson style-wise matches up better against John Jones than anyone in that division. Why? I think he's able to read a variety of strikes extremely well. He has a very good eye to read kicks. And, and John Jones, that's what he's going to have to use in this fight. I don't think John Jones wants to make it a boxing match against someone like Alexander Gustafson. I think Gustafson is just a little bit sharper with his hands. Uh, and perhaps his counters, he's been moving very well. His pivots, his footwork, his ability to create angles, that uppercut is one of the best weapons in the 205-pound division. But am I supposed to pick against the greatest fighter of all time? Am I supposed to pick against John <laughs> Jones here based on everything we have seen? And yes, we, he, had, he didn't have the greatest performance against OSP. But he still got it done, and he still won pretty easily, in my opinion. Uh, there was nothing that really OSP did against John Jones. Now, the focus of John Jones, I think he realizes that this is his second chance, or well, maybe third or fourth chance here <laughs> in the UFC, uh, to go out there and prove how great he is. Um, a lot of people weren't sure if he was even going to be able to fight in the UFC ever again. He has this opportunity. It seems like he's accepted uh, his struggles uh, and his demons here in, in, in his career and what he has to do in his life. And I think we are going to see a John Jones who's extremely motivated. Now, we didn't see that in that first fight against Alexander Gustafson. From what I heard, John Jones was partying. He wasn't taking that fight serious. He maybe trained for like two weeks for that fight against Gustafson. Both fighters have changed and improved a great deal. And I think there's also a reason why Gustafson has held out for so long for this kind of fight against John Jones. He believes he can win. Right. I'm just not so sure. I think John Jones wins this fight round four uh, by take TKO. Round four TKO for John Jones, the official pick for Ken Flo. And Marcus, I will tell you, you have the right to text me or email me and change any selection you want, if you see something at the way, and, and we will update the standings after the fact. I love how, how much you guys have disagreed on the first five. Finally, a couple quick picks. 
No analysis needed. Guys just need a selection here. Katz and Gano minus 145. Megan Anderson plus 125. Marcus, who do you like? Got to go with the wrestler. Katz and Gano. All right, Katz and Gano for Marcus. Ken Flo Zingano coming off a win for the first time in a long time. Uh, Anderson back for the first time since the loss to Holly Holm in June. Which way are you going here? This is another tricky one, but uh, I, I'm agreeing with Marcus here. I'm going with Katz and Gano. All right, and Marcus at heavyweight, Walt Harris minus 160. Andre Arlovsky plus 140. Who do you like? I'm taking Arlovsky. Ken Flo, Arlovsky, Harris, who will it be? You know, Arlovsky's a tough one to, to, to pick uh, in this one. He's He's been inconsistent. There's flashes of brilliance for him, from him uh, in some fights, but I think Walt Harris is going to win this one. All right, Walt Harris minus 160 for Flo. All right, that does it for the picks for uh, for 2018. Marcus McGahey, great job, man. I, I appreciate the insight, one of the best we've had, and uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, kid. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Uh, happy holidays to you guys. And uh, kudos to Ray for this past weekend. Lafayette, thanks. Louisiana. Stand up. That's right. Thanks, Marcus. All right. Marcus McGahey right. making the picks for the main event challenge. And that is it for today. Woo. On behalf of everyone associated with the Anakin Florian podcast, we would like to wish you all a Merry Christmas, if that applies. Enjoy UFC 232. You can see it on pay-per-view Saturday, December 29th. Prelims on FS1. And we'll be back with you New Year's Eve. It'll be Monday, December 31st for what will be our last episode with Fox. We'll recap UFC 232 Jones versus Gustafson 2. Until then, flow safe jaunt to Gamecock country, man. Enjoy the holidays, kid. Thanks, my man. And uh, I will see you in Vegas. I can't wait to yes. see your goddamn ass in Vegas. You're goddamn <laughs> right. All right. Thank you all for listening. Merry Christmas. Thank you all. We'll talk to you in, uh, in a week. Yo, later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let sports garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.